unto thee. I am resolved to follow the Savior, faithful and true each day. Heed what he saith, do what he willeth, he is the living way. I will hasten to him, since I'm glad and to enter the kingdom leaving the paths of sin friends may oppose me foes may beset me still will I enter in I will hasten to him hasten so bad and free Jesus greatest highest I will come to Amen. And now let's turn to page 291. 291. Let's stand on higher ground. 291. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up. on higher ground I want to live above the world though Satan's darts at me are hurled for faith has caught the joyful sound the song of saints on higher ground Lord lift me up and let me stand my faith on heaven's table and a higher plane than I have found Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright. But still I pray till heaven I found. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand. My faith on heaven's table and a higher plane than I have found. like to read just one verse out of the Bible this morning before we pray and that's 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9 it says and he said unto me my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me let's pray Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you would be with us during this time that, uh, Lord, we have designated our worship service. Lord, once again, we come before your throne asking that our singing would be acceptable unto thee. Lord, we ask that you would help each one of us here to put aside all the thoughts and all the concerns and the burdens and the cares of this life, that we may concentrate on singing these songs to your glory and to your honor. Lord, I pray for the preaching, that truly I would be weak and get out of the way that you may do your work today. Lord, we pray for the offering. We pray for the invitation. We pray for the children's church. We pray for everything that is done here today that you would be honored and glorified in them. That when we leave this place, we would know we have been in the presence of Almighty God. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, now let's turn to page 812. 812, past the index. Victory in Jesus. Amen. 812. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How He gave His life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about His groaning Of His precious blood atoning Then 
with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing, how he made the lame to walk again, and caused the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. Somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Let me hear you. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is Plunge me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea. About the angels singing and the old redemption story. And some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Amen. And let's do one more song, 417, page 417. It is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught,
all the children 11 and under will be dismissed to the junior church. Let's sing that fourth. And Lord, haste the day when the fish shall be signed. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The drum shall resound and the Lord shall Bibles, if you would, and turn back to the second book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 12. And we're going to start reading in verse 7 and read down through verse 10. It's, uh, this is Paul speaking. He is explaining to the Corinthians that when everything is going well, when God is working, when He is using us, we better watch out. Amen? And uh, verse 7, it says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations that was given... Uh, I'm sorry, let me start over again. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. How many of you like that last verse? That last verse says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. How many of you have been sick this week? Were you happy about it? Uh-oh, there's a problem, amen. It says, in reproaches. How many of you were reproached or someone scorned you or, or looked at you for the cause of Christ and the truth that's in this book and, and derided you because of that? Don't raise your hand if that happened to you, but if it did... Were you happy about that? Did that bring pleasure to your life? I think everybody could raise their hand on this next one. How many of you had a necessity this week? Hmm? Uh-oh. Preacher, that's not preaching. That's meddling. Amen? I mean, that's where we all live, is it not? I mean, we've had necessities. We've had things happen that have interrupted our schedule that had to be done this certain way. And how many of us were happy about those things? I see we have some honest people here this morning. I don't see any hands going up. This sermon is for you. Amen. Me too. In persecutions. Now, I doubt there was anybody here that was actually uh, uh, surrounded by a mob who who hate Jesus, and because of your testimony for, for Jesus Christ, you were persecuted or you lost your job. But it says in persecutions. That is a part of the Christian faith. And by the way, please don't blame... Uh, does everybody here know what the word obtuse means? It means when you're behaving rudely and crudely and ignorantly. 
it's rounded, not sharp, is what obtuse means. And, uh, when, and we all behave that way from time to time, amen? But don't blame your obtuseness and people's reaction to it as a persecution for the cause of Christ. Are we all on the same page? Go like this or like this? Well, we'll figure it out here. We'll take some time here. But uh, if, if we are behaving in such a way that is wrong and people get angry at us for that wrong behavior, don't blame that on the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, in distresses for Christ's sake. I imagine we probably have several people here that say, I've been in distress this week. Uh, it, Paul says, we're starting this kind of backwards, but Paul says, I take pleasure in those things. Now, most of us don't. We get upset. I mean, we get upset when somebody steals our parking spot, right? And I don't know about you, but the last several weeks, parking in this area has gotten just absolutely unbelievable. If you don't drive a car, praise God. Uh, but uh, I was working... Uh, rather late and I had the church van parked in the no parking zone in front of the church and I heard a motor start up and I, I looked up on the street and there was a car pulling out right here, right in front of the church, right next to it and I go running up and unlock the gate and sit in the thing and somebody coming through the light saw me. I had my backup lights on and they pulled into that spot real quick so I couldn't back the church van into it. Did I take pleasure in that? No. It took several hours for my blood pressure to come down. And then I began to realize something. The devil got me, didn't he? I mean, that was something the devil was doing. He's dangling that parking spot right in front of my face. And I'm going, Lord, please keep it open. Lord, please, please, please. Oh, Lord, why didn't you keep it open? Uh, are we together today? Amen? We don't take pleasure in those things. We get upset at them. We do not like it when we are sick, when we have things stop us from doing what we're supposed to do. We do not like it when people rail on us and reproach us. We do not like it when we have necessities laid upon us or persecutions or distresses for Christ's sake. And yet Paul says, I want to take pleasure in these things for when I am weak, then am I strong. How many times have you said to yourself, I had a good devotion this morning. I read my Bible. I prayed. I just wake up just feeling wonderful and you go out and you go right on your face. Has that ever happened to anybody else or am I the only one? Okay. You know why that happens? It's because we're trusting in self and not in the Lord. We think we have a little bit of strength that we can handle this thing. It's like a little child. Uh, how many of you remember that horrid device of torture that they invented for elementary gym class called the balance beam? Does anybody remember that horrible thing? I mean, I don't know what kind of demented mind invented this thing called the balance beam, but it's in every elementary phys ed class, and they make every student try to walk that thing. And uh, I'm sorry, there's no balance here at all. I mean, it's just falling off one side and falling off the other. And uh, the gym teacher holds your hands and you're trying to, to, to do this thing. And, as soon, and, and then you get, hey, I got it, I got it, let go. Boom, right on the floor. That's the way most of us live life, is it not? The Lord's there holding our hand. And we're walking along. Huh? I got it, Lord, let go. I'm, 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 boom. 
And that's what Paul's speaking about right here. It's where we live. You know, the problem is we think everything's okay. And so we let go and we step out on our own. And we wonder why these things happen to us. Now, Paul here is trying to help the Corinthian church understand something. Now, Paul should not have had to explain these things to the Corinthian church because Paul was the one that started the Corinthian church. Paul, There would be no Corinthian church if it were not for the Apostle Paul. And Paul is writing these people that owe their very salvation, many of them, to Paul's ministry there in the city of Corinth. And he's saying, don't you remember who I am? I'm Paul the Apostle. I have the right to tell you these things. You're messing up and I want you to get it straightened out now. He said, but some of you won't even listen to me. Some of you are criticizing uh, things like my preaching ability and, and, and my physical appearance. I mean, that's how petty it had gotten with the Corinthians and the Apostle Paul who had started their church. And Paul was beginning to explain to them all the ministry. He said, my ministry wasn't only limited to Corinth. You guys got to understand. This is the things that I was doing. And, and, and God gave me so many revelations. And he said, before I go on and tell you all the great things that God did, I want you to understand something. That God had to do something to stop me. Because if he didn't, I would be exalted above measure. And he said, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, this is what happens in the Christian life. We get saved. And that is a wonderful experience. Amen. Then we start growing in the faith. And some of those old sins and habits and problems begin falling off to the wayside. And then we get thinking, man, look at how I'm living the Christian life. And that's when we get clobbered. And we always joke and, and say and sign tongue in cheek that, you know, the devil's waiting there with the two by four. But let me tell you, sometimes it's not the devil. Sometimes it's our loving Heavenly Father waiting there with the two by four. Because if he doesn't whack us upside the head good and hard, we're going to destroy the life that he gave us. And so God will let things happen to you to slow you down just a little bit. Amen? Because if you get thinking too much about self, you're going to find yourself in deep, deep trouble. And there are things that we do in this life. You can lose so much in so little time. And there are certain bridges that we cross. We call them bridges. There are certain things that we do in our life. And when we do those things, we cross lines that can never be uh, gone back to. You can say things, but you can't take those words back. You can apologize all day long. But that doesn't stop the words because you've already said them. We are an impulsive people, are we not? And in a, just a matter of a few moments of impulse, there are many pastors that have destroyed a whole life of ministry. It is a scary world in which we live. And Paul says, there is a thorn in the flesh. Now, he uses those words on purpose. How many of you have ever had a real thorn 
in the flesh. Now, I'm not talking about picking a rose out of there and putting, the, putting your thumb on one of those little stickers. That's not a thorn in the flesh. Uh, the only story I really have, when I was a kid, I was rabbit hunting across the street from my house in a little wooded area. And uh, I have no idea what kind of tree this, we just called it a thorn apple tree. Because it had funny little fruits on it, looked like miniature apples. But it had thorns on that tree as long as my finger. Now they were not as big around as my finger, they were just razor sharp. And I found that tree the hard way. I was sitting there looking, for, looking ahead for the rabbits and all of a sudden, right through my boots, right into my foot, went one of those thorns. Now, let me tell you something. A thorn in the flesh uh, is one of the most painful things that you can experience as a human being. Not because it's so dangerous. It's really not that dangerous of a thing. I mean, but I mean, it just feels like you're coming apart inside. How in the world could one little sticker make so much pain? Well, it just activates a lot of nerve endings, doesn't it? How many here have ever had a, a real thorn in the flesh? I'm talking something at least an inch long. Uh, I mean, uh, we don't have very many hands going up. So just, just imagine, take your pain meter and just turn it up to max, and that's about where you are. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's something that you would rather hear about than experience. Amen? Could we get an amen out of that? Okay. Paul experienced it. Now, do you think God just actually grew a real thorn bush underneath his bed and he woke up in the morning and here it was up through the mattress right in the middle of his back or something? No, that's not the way it worked. Here was the thorn. It says, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Now, we look at that word buffet and we think of Grand China Buffet, Right? or old country buffet. Now, what most people do to their bodies is just about as damaging as a real buffet. But the word buffet means to hit, to box, like a boxer in a ring. Uh, I don't know how many of you are aware of this or not, but a professional boxer or a semi-professional boxer uh, they, they've made the joke, these hands are, are lethal weapons. Well, in reality, a, a professional boxer, if he goes into a boxing stand, a police officer can shoot him as if he were holding a gun. Because he can do more with those fists in less time than most police officers could with their nightstick. It's because they're trained to use those as weapons in a boxing ring. You see those guys up there, bang, bang, bang in the boxing ring. Hey, let me tell you, those are some of the toughest guys that walk in shoe leather. To be able to take that pounding and still stand up. I mean, if I were in the boxing ring, it'd be a two-hit affair. He'd hit me once and I'd hit the floor and that'd be the end of it. I mean, that's just the way it works. Because I'm not trained to take that kind of punishment. Neither was Paul. But that messenger of Satan was trained to dish it out. The word buffet means to, to punch like a professional fighter. And he said, this messenger was sent to buffet me. And he didn't have. Let me show you the love of Jesus on his t-shirt. I mean, he was there to dish it out. He was there, and the Bible says this, this messenger of Satan was given to me, how? By God. And he wasn't there to play tiddlywinks. He was there to beat Paul down. Now, how many of you liking this sermon so far? Okay. I don't see too many hands going up. But Paul said, 
For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. Now, remember who this is. This is the Apostle Paul. This guy knew how to pray, amen? He knew how to pray prayers that God would answer. I mean, he had healed people, laid his hands on sick people, and they had gotten up. Now, I've heard an awful lot of sermons on the thorn in the flesh, and they talk about how that it maybe was a disease in Paul's eyes or, or, or some of this or some of that and all of these things. You know, God doesn't tell us what it is, and there's a reason why He doesn't tell us what it is. Is because if you didn't have the exact same thing that Paul had, you'd say, well, see there, that's not a messenger of Satan. But God sends these things to slow us down. He said, I prayed to the Lord three times that it might depart from me. He said, I wanted this thing out of my life. It was, it was consuming me. It was making me miserable completely. But here's the reason. Lest I should be exalted above measure. Now we need to just take a moment here. All these things that we've said so far is this one phrase. Let me ask you a question this morning. What is your measure? Let's get out the ruler. Let's get out the standard. Right here it is. And let's measure ourselves. I think I can honestly say there's none of us here this morning that would measure up to what this book says. Remember that silly children's movie, Mary Poppins? She has her little tape measure that pops out of the bag and it says the little boy is rotten and the little girl was worse. And When it measures her, nearly perfect in every way. That's what we do with ourselves, isn't it? It's real easy to see everybody else's problems. It's real hard to see our own. And the question here is, it says, Paul says, lest I should be exalted above measure. And so the first question I asked this morning is, what is your measure? If, if we were to measure our ability, if we were to measure what we can do for Christ, how far would that tape measure extend? It's not going to get out of the case, my friend. Because there's nothing about us that is good for God. And when God sends these things, difficulties in our life, it is to help us understand what our measure really is. What could you do? What can you do? What could possibly happen in your life other than salvation? They would give, and by the way, that's all of Jesus and none of you. They would give you one second's relief from the eternal judgment of hell. What's one thing you can do? Paul said, God sent this messenger of Satan to beat me to a bloody pulp, lest I should be exalted above measure. What is my measure? My measure is nothing. It's all of the Lord. And he said, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice. Now here's... Point number two. And he, God, said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Let me ask you a question. Question number two. Question number one, what is your measure? Question number two is... Is His grace sufficient? 
are you? How weak are you? You see, as long as I think I have something, as long as I am depending on my strength and my ability, I am cutting myself off from the grace that God gives me. The number one line, and I understand why our mayor on, on September 11th used this terminology, and I, I understand the, the psychology and the thought processes behind it, and I'm not criticizing him for, for using this, but what did our mayor say on September 11th? He says, we can handle this. Remember that? We're going we're gonna to handle this. Let me tell you something. There are some things in life that were never meant to be handled. It's not until you're willing to say, I can't handle this, I need to turn it over to God that anything good gets done. It's getting rid of my thought processes and my ability. It says, my grace is sufficient for thee, my strength is made perfect in weakness. God is not going to help you until you're willing to ask Him and accept that help. Reminds me of a story I read long ago of a little girl and she was traveling with her father who was a watchmaker on a train. And uh, she was just absolutely enthralled with the people and the train and they were going to the big city and they were looking around at all of these things and her father had a uh, a leather case there, one of those old carpet bagger cases, uh, and it was just stuffed full of clock parts. Thing weighed a ton. And as they were getting off the train, he had noticed the uh, impetuousness of his daughter and just everything that a little child would do. And he just called her name and said, "Would you pick up my watch, my my case for me?" And so she eagerly runs over there and grabs a hold with one hand and the case doesn't move. And she grabs a hold with two hands. And she's sitting there and she's just moving and, and can't even get that case off the floor. And finally the father comes over after a few moments of struggle and says, Daughter, it would be very foolish for a man like me to ask a little girl like you to carry that case. He said, But I did so for a reason. And I'm paraphrasing here. He said a whole lot nicer than I am. He said, you need to calm down a little bit and let Dad carry the load. And he reaches down with one hand and picks up the case with ease and they walk off the train. It's not until we admit that we can't do it that God actually does something. Now this is going to change our attitude and our outlook on when things happen to us. That's what verse 10 is about. It says, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Why? Read the last phrase I, of, the first, of verse 9. I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What is your measure? How weak are you? And where's the power? When I look at my life, I have to ask that question, where's the power? Because the power wasn't there. Not to get upset about losing a stupid parking spot. I mean, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Why would you get upset about something so silly? You know why? Because the power of Christ isn't there to stop it. Why are we tempted with the things that we're tempted with? Because the power of Christ is not there to stop it. Why does it become a drudgery to do the simple things that we ought to do to be obedient to Christ? Because the power is not there. 
We're too busy fighting our infirmities. We're too busy trying to make life comfortable for ourselves. We're too busy trying to take care of these things instead of glorying in them. It's a whole different way of looking at life. And, and, it, and it only comes as we realize the measure of ourselves is nothing. That Christ's strength is made perfect in my weakness. Now, most of us don't like admitting that we're weak. We like talking about how strong we are. How many remember the story of Freddie the drunk? He used to live across the street. Does anybody remember that story? A few of you do. We'll take a moment and tell it again for those that have never heard it. But used to be, he was a man. He was in his, I guess he was in his late 40s, early 50s, something like that. Freddie had been a drunk all his life. And not soon after we moved into the building here, we had made contact with Freddie and had uh, invited him into the services and tried to help Freddie in every way that we could. I, I couldn't tell you how many times I shared the gospel with Freddie. And one morning, uh, the doorbell rang at about 7 o'clock in the morning. And I'm going, what in the world? 7 o'clock? Nobody wants to be to church that early. And uh, so I, I, I went down, and there was Freddie. He'd been drinking all night. He said, Preacher, i got to pray. Will you let me in to pray? I said, Okay, Freddie, come on in and pray. So he came in, sat down, and I said, Freddie, stay for the service. He said, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know that I can. And so he got up, and he left. And about 1230, service is over. He comes back over. He says, Preacher, preacher, can you take me to the hospital? I'm doing real bad. And so I said, sure, Freddie, and took care of whatever needed, threw him in the van. And I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but as we got started down to Elmhurst, he starts going. I said, Freddie, what's going on? He said, there's spiders on my arms. I'm trying to get them off. Can't you see them? I'm going, oh boy, what in the world is going on with this? I mean, he was dementia tremors, whole thing. I mean, this guy was, he, he was in really bad shape. I said, Freddie, you got to get a hold of yourself. There's no spiders. Now, here was his answer to me, and it's haunted me ever since. He said, Pastor Pete, I don't understand it. He says, I'm so strong. I'm so strong. Why am I like this? I said, Freddie, you're not strong. I said, you're weak. And here's a man in dimension tremors arguing with me about how strong he is. That story does not have a happy ending. It was less than six months after that. Somebody said, did you hear about Freddie? said, no. Well, he died. As far as I know, Freddie died without Christ. And he died that way because he was, in his own words, so strong. Now, I'll tell you one thing. If God has done anything in, in my life, it's not been because of Pete Montoro. It's been in spite of Pete Montoro. And the same thing is true of every life in this room here today. And if we are trusting in ourselves and in our strength, you say, how do I trust in God's strength? Well, it's real easy. You're doing it this morning. You're here. Amen. It's obedience to the word. You know, the first thing the devil loves to get into is your time with the Lord. You need to have time with the Lord every day. That's why we pass out the Bible reading schedules. So you can systematically read through the Bible in a year. You say, Pastor, it's a struggle. Hey, guess what? Yeah, it's meant to be. 
if you could do it easily, then there wouldn't be much you're going to get from it. The little Baptist breads. They can be a real encouragement at times. Some of them are puzzles, I'm sorry. But, I mean, I read some of them and I say, what's this guy trying to say? But it's just like our Bible. We read some of those passages and it's so-and-so begat so-and-so and his offering was a golden spoon of ten drams full of frankincense. And, and we're just sitting there going, Lord, why'd you put this in? Well, to teach you, uh, number one, how weak you are, what your measure is, Amen. To teach you that you have no strength and that God has it all. Just trust in Him. It won't hurt you. It's not going to bother you to read all those passages because here is the solution at the end. When I am weak, then am I strong. When I am weak, then am I strong you see it's when I'm depending on God when I realize there's nothing inside of me that's when God's able to finally do something amen and we got to get a hold of this thing because we we live in a society where weakness is 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 the, is the worst thing that can happen to you. You you never put yourself in the weak position. You always got to operate from the position of strength. But let me ask you a question: How can you get any stronger than God? But the key that unlocks the door to God's strength is your weakness. We spend so much of our life trying to handle things. Can I get an oh me or something out of that? I mean, that's what we're doing. We're in the struggle. We're trying to live. And, and what our church is about is, is learning how to struggle together to serve God. Amen? Or oh me. I mean, the church is, that's where we get our help. The world's full of support groups. You know why? Because they're trying to copy what ought to be happening in the church of Jesus Christ. But they don't want the responsibility that comes along with being a member of the church. That's why support groups are so worthless for the most part. Well, they help a little bit, yes. And we're not denying that. But the kind of help we really need is to empty ourselves of ourselves and to realize when I am weak, then am I strong. You don't get saved until you admit that you're powerless to save yourself and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Then why in the world do we waste so much time trying to live for God in our own strength? You need to live for God the same way you got saved every day. It is emptying yourself of self. Well, let's just go down through these verses and then we'll be done. First question. Lest I should be exalted above measure. What is your measure? Second question. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. How weak are you? I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Where's the power? Is it resting upon you? If it isn't, then we better go back to point number one and start measuring ourselves with a true measure. Start evaluating our strength level with a weakness meter, not a strength meter. Amen? Because the power of Christ will not rest upon your life until you're empty and you're weak. Then we can say with the Apostle Paul, For when I am weak, then am I strong.
not in one of those feel-good messages. Wasn't intended to be. But I'll tell you something, if we get a hold of what's in here, this week will be different than last week, amen? The victories that will be won will be won by the Lord Jesus Christ, not by you. The messes that will be made will be made by you, not the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of us are too busy being buffeted by our sins. We, we never get to the point to where the Lord even has to slow us down. We're too busy slowing ourselves down. Paul said, I mean, if I were to ask the question, if I were to preach this verse the opposite way and say, how many of you want that sufficient grace? Every hand to go up. Oh, yes, Pastor. Talk about that grace that is sufficient. Oh, I, I want that. Well, that doesn't happen until you measure yourself properly and you understand how weak you are. And probably ought to stop just a moment before we finish and talk about false pride, how it goes in there. Because we... Oh, Lord, you know how weak I am. I've only been able to talk to 500 people this week about the Lord. Oh, man. I don't know what the sign for that is, but... God is not impressed with what you do, by the way. Yet we spend a lot of our prayer time. Now, come on, let's be honest here. Don't we spend time in prayer trying to tell God how good we are? Hmm? Does that happen? There's everybody perfect in here this morning. Don't think so. Weakness. Weakness is not a pleasant thing. It's saying, I can't do it. But when I'm weak, then am I strong. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We ask that you would help us to honestly spend a few minutes here evaluating who and what we are. Lord, we want to worship you. But worship is not possible while we're full of ourselves. Lord, our measure is nothing. But, Lord, we pray that you would empty us of false pride and of real pride. That you'd help us to get a hold of that truth. Lord, I pray that we would understand that the key to unlocking your strength through our lives is getting rid of ours and realizing there's nothing there is, is really the truth. That we are so weak. That if it were not for your hand, if it were not for your strength, there would be nothing in us. Lord, I pray that we would strive to have the power of Christ resting upon us. That we would be weak so that we could be strong. Lord, I pray you would do your work in each heart and life that none of us would withhold ourselves and, and, our, and, and leave this place in our own strength. Lord, admitting we're weak is just doing things your way. It's being where we're supposed to be. It's making sure that we have time to read that book called the Bible and talk to you in prayer each day. It's just neglecting the things of this world that we may be servants of God. We ask that we would worship you this morning in surrendered hearts and lives made powerful by the power of Christ. And Lord, that our attitude and our understanding of all the things that happen around us 
or take our eyes off our own inconvenience and our own problems and realize that there is a God in heaven that's doing things because he wants us to be weak so that he can be strong through us. We ask you to work. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The hymn of invitation, page number 507. We'll just sing that first verse. Would you live for Jesus and be always pure and good? Would you walk with Him within a narrow road? Would you have Him bear your burden, carry all your load? Let Him have His way with thee. His power can make you what you ought to be. His blood can cleanse your heart and make you free. His love can fill your soul and you will see. T'was best for him to have his way with thee. As the piano continues to play, if you need to come and pray, now is the time. We won't be long this morning, but we want to give you that opportunity. If you're here today and you do not know the Savior, you do not know your sins are forgiven and heaven's your home, would you allow someone to take this book called the Bible? and show you how you can know your sins are forgiven. That that salvation that the Bible talks about is not just something that you've heard about, but is yours personally. God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. And we pray that God has done His work in your heart and in your life today. And just a few things. Of course, our evening service tonight, Thursday night. Uh, pray for Brother Ted. He'll be preaching Thursday night. And uh, we'll look forward to that. And then uh, because of the uh, Thanksgiving holiday, um, we'll be trying to get our regular monthly meetings in uh, the week of the 15th, ladies meeting, and then the 18th, that Friday night, will be our singles, and then Saturday will be our teen meeting. Uh, normally what we have done in the past is on uh, Thanksgiving week, we have moved our um, uh, Thursday night service to either Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, does that uh, sound like a feasible thing to do this year on Tuesday night? Is that good for everybody? Uh, all right. How many for Tuesday night? Let's just see your hands there. Anybody Wednesday, is that important to you? Okay, don't see any hands. So we'll just do it on Tuesday night. We'll put that in the bulletin next uh, Sunday morning. And uh, the uh, last thing I need to... Uh, talk to you about is next Sunday morning uh, we need to have a business meeting as a church members and uh, the purpose of that business meeting is we have talked in the past 
uh, about renovating the basement downstairs, putting some uh, soundproof partitions so we can get more rooms down there. Uh, this will allow for uh, growth in our different services. And uh, right now we have the uh, uh, deaf uh, evening service. Uh, they're meeting behind those partitions while things are going on in the big room out in front. And, and uh, that's not really the way we, uh, it doesn't bother them too much at this point, but uh, um, we, we really need to make a change there. And there's some other things, but if, if um, we also need to just look at the uh, church van, it is getting older and starting to have problems. And uh, we're gonna be into some very serious repair bills in the next six to 10 months. Uh, we're talking thousands of dollars for a new transmission rear end, something like that. I don't know what it is, but it's moving that direction. And uh, the reason for the business meeting next Sunday will be talk about uh, the possibility of borrowing some money to take care of these things. Uh, the basement renovations um, are going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of forty-five to fifty thousand dollars if we're going to do them and do it right. Uh, that's a lot of money. We don't have that kind of money in the bank. And uh, so what I want you to do is uh, just pray about that. We announce it a week early. We'll talk about that next Sunday morning. And then next Sunday, after, right after the morning service, we'll have a, a short business meeting. And uh, we'll uh, answer the questions and show the figures and things. And, and we just need to make a decision. I mean, if we don't want to do that, then we just won't do it. That's, that's the whole thing. But if we're uh, going to move forward with those renovations and things, we're, we're going to have to make some provision. And uh, uh, I think I have an opportunity where we can borrow the money at a very cheap rate and, and pay it back uh, in, a, in a short time. And so uh, we'll, we'll be trying to do that uh, next Sunday morning. And uh, uh, just uh, according to our bylaws, we have to announce that a week ahead of time. And so that's uh, what trying to do there. And uh, so uh, be in prayer about that. It's a uh, decision we do not take lightly. We need to, to work on that. If you have any questions, we can even uh, talk about it after the service this morning. And uh, let's have our ushers come at this time. And uh, we'll receive this morning's offering. And um, if you guys could come. Brother Osmunda, would you ask God to bless the offering?
Amen. Let's stand together. 705, if you need the words. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then where you go, precious name. Oh, how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven, precious name. Oh, how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven. Thank you for being with us this morning.